1: He did not let his roots go down so deep here in this life because this world was not his home. Are you rooted in the things of this world
0: or in God's Word? Worldly things can be so distracting from the things that matter most, like your spiritual walk with the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Danny will point out admirable characteristics of Abraham's faith. Abraham valued eternity over his own life. It's easier said than done to think of eternity when you're just trying to keep up with the day-to-day. There is hope. You can find a fresh perspective and a new life in Jesus. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, as he continues his message, Abraham's Journey of Faith.
1: Is there any relationship in life that would keep you from following the call of God? And sometimes the people that love you the most and that you love the most are the ones that are a stumbling block to keep you from following God's call. Jesus begins to tell his disciples what's going to happen. He's going to the cross. And Peter, in Peter fashion, pulls Jesus aside has a personal counseling session with him. Lord, I want you to know, Lord, what you said is going to never happen to you as long as I'm still around. And Jesus turned to the disciples and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You're thinking on an earthly plane. You're thinking about just here and now in this life. You got to go beyond that. You got to be willing to not let any relationship in life, including those you love, keep you from following God's call in your I said it right after I was a Christian on a Sunday night service at the Manuel Baptist Church in Hartsville, South Carolina. I walked forward in an invitation, not to be saved, I'd just gotten saved. But to say, God, I'll go anywhere you call me to go. You make it clear to me I'll go. That was when I was 19. That was a long time ago. You know what? In my journal yesterday, I typed it in again. I said, God, if you make it clear to me, I'll go anywhere you tell me to go. If you'll make my wife go with me. I think that's fair. (laughs) I'll tell you the third characteristic about Abraham's faith. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Let me pull out a couple more verses here. Verse 7 of Genesis 12. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your offspring, your seed, singular, I'll give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Verse 8, from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Chapter 13, verse 18. So Abraham moved his tents, went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Repeatedly, here's what you read about Abraham's life he built an altar. He was an altar builder. Simple question Where's your altar? What do you mean? Well, what is an altar? Well, for Abraham, the altar was a personal place of worship. It was where he met with God personally. In our living room, we have a double wide recliner, my favorite piece of furniture in our house other than our bed. We got it because my wife and I can both fit in it together. We sit in it a lot together. It's one of my favorite things to do. Sat there last night and watched the new smart TV that we just bought from Sam's Club yesterday. It was a glorious Saturday evening. But I also make it a regular thing that before I sit down and have my time of Bible reading, even though it may be brief, that chair is an altar. Why do I choose that chair? Because of the soft, nice leather. And because there's carpet in the living room. That when I kneel down at that chair, it's easier on my 62-year-old knees. <laughs> but that chair is an altar. It's a place I worship. It's a place I pray. I used to have a little place upstairs, still do, but I don't really use it anymore. got a little desk there. God finally gave my wife the freedom to give me the freedom to put a TV in the bedroom. That's the next thing's coming. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful time in life. And I'm thinking about the area that used to be my desk, my workplace upstairs. And that was also an altar because that's where I would sit and I would read. I would write. I would journal on my computer. But now I really like the countertop since we renovated a few years ago the kitchen. And there's such nice... Granite a countertop there and the chairs there high top. And they're very comfortable. And so I've taken that over because I own the house. And that's an altar. When I travel, have to stay in motels sometimes. The bed. Usually there's carpet. And I'll make the bed an altar. You get the point. Where's your altar? Are you an altar builder? Abraham was an altar builder. He made sure in in his travels, he made sure that when he was going and wherever he was, he made sure he built an altar to the Lord. Number four, Abraham was a God seeker. say, where do you see that? Well, go back just for a minute to chapter 12 again. Go back to verse 8. The middle of verse 8, there he built an altar to the Lord and called... On the name of the Lord. He's seeking God. He called on the name of the Lord. If you become a real student of the Bible, you're going to find out that God is one God, but he has lots of names. For example, Genesis 1-1, which we covered last week, when God created the, the, the universe and God created the world, uh, etc. Uh, and it says there that God did it, and the word for God is Elohim. Which is interesting, It's plural. Why plural? Because he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Explain it. I can't believe it. I do. But he's not just Elohim. The supreme God. The only God. In Exodus chapter 3, when Moses said, who shall I say sent me? And God gives him a different name. You tell him I am. I am who I am. Different name. Not I was. Not I will be. Live in the moment. I am. I am. What do you need? I am. I am what you need right now. I'm what you need today. Whether you realize it or not, if you'll seek me, I'll give you what you need today. I am. Not I was, not I will be. I am. Oh, I can't wait till it's different. No, I am. Oh, I wish it was like it was. I am. Galatians 4, 6, he's Abba, daddy. Sometimes you just need somebody to just run to, jump up in his arms. That's God. Genesis 16, 13, Hagar, who will be a product of Abraham and Sarah in their wrong decision in trying to fulfill God's will about this coming seed, Uh, Sarah will say, well, maybe God wants you to use Hagar, the handmaid. And Abraham will go and sleep with Hagar. The product is the son of the flesh, Ishmael. And then Sarah ends up kicking Hagar and Ishmael out of the family. And they're out in the middle of the desert. And here she is, a single mom. Doesn't know where she's going. Doesn't know what she's going to do. And guess what God does? He appears to her. And he reveals himself as Jehovah Roy, the God who sees. And she thought, God's not watching. God doesn't know my situation. Here I am, kicked out of the family, a single mom. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to go. And God reveals himself to her and said, I'll take care of you. What a God we serve. You go on through the Bible, I don't have time to give you all the names, but in Genesis 22, he reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh, your provider. In Exodus 17, Moses lifts up his hands as the Israelites are fighting their worst enemy, the Amalekites. He gets tired, but Aaron and Hur, two of his servants, come and lift his hands up. And while they lift his hands up, God gives victory. And God reveals himself there in the victory as Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. What does that mean? They would take their banner representing their tribe or their people when they go into battle. And the idea is when you go into battle, God will give you the victory. Just keep your hands lifted up. Keep seeking him. And when you get tired, get some people to help you lift your hands up. And as you lift your hands up and continue to seek God, God will give you the victory. Man, he's a good God. In Exodus 15, he's the Lord Rapha, the Lord, our healer. In Judges 6, he's the Lord is peace. And the list goes on and on and on. Look, I spent a little time on this one. He was a God seeker. And there are so many different names for God. And the idea and all the different names is he's anything you need. He's everything you need. Whenever you need him, whatever you're going through, he's what you need. And he's who you need. And if you'll seek him and not give up. You will find him when you seek him with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. I'll tell you a fifth characteristic of Abraham and his journey of faith. Abraham considered himself third. What does that mean? Considered himself third. Scripture is Genesis 13:9, and we're going a little ahead in our reading, but Genesis 13:9, Abraham and Lot both get blessed by God, they get become rich, they have lots of, uh, of, of animals and herds, and, and there's quarreling between Lot's servants and Abraham's servants, and so Abraham comes to lot. Genesis 13, verse nine. And he says, "Look, we're brothers, we shouldn't be fighting. Is not the whole land before us? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. He gave a lot first choice. Years ago, I heard a story of a, a great high school athlete. that he had one of his high school friends at his, his house one day, and they go in his bedroom, and on his wall, uh, this guy had, I am third. And, and his friend, his schoolmate said, what do you mean you're third? You're not third. You're number one, man. You are the best athlete we've ever known. And that's when he shared with him his faith. And they said, no, what I try to do in life is put God first, other second, and me third. That was a characteristic of Abraham's faith. Lot, you got first choice. You know what happened after he gave Lot first choice? Lot goes his own way, and Lot chooses badly. And by the way, we're going to look at Lot's journey of faith next weekend. Lot chose where the grass is greener, and it didn't work out real well for him. And then after Lot leaves, God appears again to Abraham, and guess what he says to Abraham. Hey, look north, south, east, and west. As far as you can see, I'm going to give you all of it, including what Lot chose. You trust God. This is a decision by faith. He considered himself third. And if you trust God and make yourself last, God will ultimately make you first. Pretty good God, huh? When you get to Genesis 14, Abraham will go with some of his men. Lot has been taken captive by the enemy because of poor choices that he made. We'll look at it next week. Abraham goes with 300some men, and God gives him victory over the kings that have, have taken his nephew Lot captive. And in coming back from the victory, supernatural victory, a mysterious fellow named Melchizedek meets them. Melchizedek, trust me, is Christ in the Old Testament. He's king of righteousness, he's king of peace, or priest and king. He's both a priest and a king. He's Christ. In the Old Testament, without beginning of days or end of life. And he comes to Abraham after the victory, and he brings out bread and wine. I wonder what that signifies. And Abraham's got all the spoils from the victory. And when he meets Melchizedek, and Melchizedek serves him communion, basically. And Abraham, in honor of Melchizedek, knowing that God has given the victory to Abraham. He gives him one tenth all the spoils he was a tither don't have time to spend it's not a teaching each one of these points could be whole messages in themselves hebrews 7 refers to melchizedek and the tithe to melchizedek melchizedek is christ so i'm a firm believer i'm a firm believer that tithing some people say tithing is old testament tithing is bible period you find it before the law abraham you find it with jacob Genesis 28, before the law, you find it referred to again in Hebrews chapter 7, making Melchizedek the one is the object of the tithe. He's the one we're giving the tithes to, Christ. Tithe just means 10%. I believe every person with the faith of Abraham ought to become a tither. If you don't have the faith to give 10% of your paycheck, then start with a percentage and be faithful with that percentage. And as your faith grows, as you will see that God will prove himself faithful. That if you honor him with the first fruits, if you honor him with the first fruits of your increase, he's going to bless you beyond. I mean, it's just, it's just I, it, I wish I could get everybody to do this. Because you're missing out on such a blessing. He gave God 10%. And if you're going to do it, when you reach the 10%, give him 10% of the gross, not the net. You give Uncle Sam 10% 10 of the gross. Whether you like it or not, he takes it. Would you give God any less? Number seven. Man, you want to be blessed, you become a tither. Number seven. Abraham was a tent dweller his entire life life. Now, I'm going to go to the New Testament that refers back to this. Hebrews chapter 11. I don't need to write it down. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He did not let his roots go down so deep here in this life, because this world was not his home. He was just passing through. You're just passing through. we got a much better place when Jesus comes. You're going to like number eight. Abraham made mistakes. Up to this point, you go, this guy's almost perfect. No, he wasn't. He made mistakes. Genesis 12, he got his wife to lie to save his own skin. You think he learned his lesson? Genesis chapter 20 years later, a different king, he got his wife to lie to that king too to save his own skin because kings would take beautiful women into their harem, kill their husbands, which tells us Sarah was a looker. Genesis chapter 16, I have learned that most of the time in my married life, I should listen to my wife. But there are those occasions. They are rare, but sometimes she's wrong. And Abraham in Genesis 16 listened to his wife and sleeps with Hagar, and the product was the son of the flesh. And it just brought all kinds of terrible things that are still with us today. He made mistakes, but i tell you what he learned from his mistakes. Number nine. You're not going to like this one. He submitted he to submitted circumcision. Most people are circumcised when they're very young and they don't remember it. He was a grown man. And you get to Genesis 17 and God says to Abraham, this is the covenant I make with you. It's the sign of the covenant. And the most personal and tender part of his being He submitted to the Lord. And he allowed the pain. And it is the organ of reproduction and fruit bearing. It's not sexual, it's spiritual. The message is clear. Listen, you're going to follow in the footsteps of faith of Abraham? Have you let God come into the most personal part of your life? And have you allowed him to cut away? Circumcision is not just, and I don't even believe circumcision is mainly that it's not leaving the idolatrous life, it's not leaving Ur of the Chaldeans. You've already done that. Now, now it's cutting away, as one person put it, the good but unnecessary things that crowd out God. Invitation to the banquet, Jesus tells the parable. First excuse I just bought a piece of land. What's wrong with that? Nothing unless it keeps you from greater priority. Second excuse, I just bought five yoke of oxen. Business is expanding. What's wrong with that? Nothing unless it keeps you from greater priority. Third excuse is interesting. I just got married. What's wrong with that? Nothing in and of itself unless it keeps you from a higher priority. Now, let me give you the last one. Abraham, he exercised. Saving faith. Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. Abraham believed God. He's doubting about this, this child that's going to come. And they try to do it in their own way. And it just messes up with Hagar and Ishmael. And then God appears to him. Again. He says go outside. Look at the stars. Abraham goes out and looks at the stars. And he's living in the desert. And so the stars must have just been like right there. Millions of them. And God says, so shall your offspring be. And it'll start with a miracle child. A miracle child. And it says, Abraham believed God. And God credited him righteousness. Saving faith. Ah, 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 but saving faith. The object is the seed is Christ. The object of the faith is Christ. Ah, but the evidence of the faith. The evidence of the faith. What's the evidence of the faith? He left her of the Chaldeans. He didn't allow any personal relationship to prevent him from following God's call. He was an altar builder. He sought God with all of his heart. He practiced being third in life. He honored God with the first fruits of all the increase. He was a tither. He was thinking about heaven. He was a tent dweller. He didn't allow his roots to go too deep here. He learned from his mistakes. And he allowed God to come into the most personal parts of his life and cut away even good but unnecessary things that crowd out God. (laughs) Romans chapter 4. This just can't bring it together any better. Romans chapter 4. Talks about Abraham being justified by faith. Then it says, the middle of verse 11. Middle of verse 11, Romans chapter 4. So then, he's the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised, non-Jewish people, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he's also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also, listen, walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had Before he was circumcised. A few verses later it will tell us he's the father of us all who have faith in Jesus Christ. The Messiah. And the evidence that your faith in Jesus is saving faith is you walk in the footsteps that Abraham walked. So if you can't look at these nine characteristics... And in these nine characteristics see evidence that yeah yeah and and I know we're not perfect but if you can't see yourself somewhere in the nine you better question number 10 to whether you really have saving
0: We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit church. We'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of this program? Pray that God would touch each person with His love and that their hearts would be open to the truth of the gospel. Please also pray for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the living Word? This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible so as not to distract from God's truth. That does incur some costs, though. So if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under Forms any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share the good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website, one more time, is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here today on The Living Word.